Okay, I think I need to turn the fan off in this room. I think I might be getting some blue. Oh, yeah. I know, I, yeah, I had to turn my fan off, and I'm currently sweating, so. I bet, man. Actually, that's it. that was what I was going to bring to the table for our intro banter today, was the most uh, illustrious of all icebreaker conversations, the weather. The weather. <laughs> it's July 5th, 2015, and you're listening to episode 14 of Roll Up and Die. What's this then? I'll live with Donna's card. Need we say more? No! Listen, I can't give it you now! It says, in the event of death! Oh, no one who's ever had their liver taken out by us has survived. Just lie down, so it won't take a minute. So, Nate, you're, you are from the Pacific Northwest originally, and yes, you're going to be visiting up here in a little in a little while as well, sure but am. the weather up here has been progressively over the last few summers getting hotter and hotter and hotter to the point where it doesn't even resemble, like, Western Washington summer yeah. anymore. It's like, it. I mean, we're, we're in, like, high 80s up to high 90s at this point every single day. Not a cloud in the sky. If it uh, rains, it's that crap. hot, humid summer rain that just, like, flashes, you know, happens and then is gone. It's pretty miserable, man. And it's even more miserable because we don't – no one has AC units over here because we, yeah. we haven't needed yeah. them in the past. <laughs> well, you don't need them, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's it, right. it's kind of like when they get, an, you know, an inch of snow down in, in Georgia. Exactly. You know, up, up here in New England, we're like, yeah. an inch of snow. You know, we wouldn't even, like – Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's all part of like right. we, we have no infrastructure to deal with this yeah. amount of heat, you know. Right. S- and actually, ironically, it is the same in Seattle with snow. But exactly. anyway, <laughs> yeah, if, if we get more than you know a couple inches right. of snow, it's like we have no plows. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, but, you know, thank goodness climate change is only a myth, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, exactly. Like, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. Up here, we, we, our first year, and I think I mentioned this on the on the podcast before. Our first year up here, we had a week where at night it got down to like minus forty degrees. Oh my gosh! Uh, which is the same again in Celsius and Fahrenheit, so yeah. no conversion necessary. <laughs> yeah. Which which is basically just freaking cold. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. where you go outside and, and your face hurts from the cold. Right, and and, and you can't breathe. You know, you feel your skin sort of crystallizing as you oh, walk out. That's yeah. miserable, man. But yep. but it's been getting it's been getting progressively milder. You know we've still been getting the you know we get a cold week like that around January around the full moon, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it's been it's still been doing that, but not nearly as bad. I think oh, I'm trying to think. I think this year it didn't get below minus like minus twenty five. Okay, that, that, you know which that's, I, you know that's again, short you know, weather to you guys. Right there. I was gonna say yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> I was gonna say to you guys, it still sounds cool, yeah. but when yeah. you look at the difference, I mean, that's like a fifteen degree difference, right? And yeah, the year before we moved up here, uh, I should let people know in case they don't know, I live in in northern Maine, maybe about fifteen minutes from the Canadian border, and uh, the uh, the year before we came up here, I think they had like a record snowfall of like two hundred and fifty inches. Oh my gosh! Uh, for the wow. for the for the winter, and. <laughs> It's just been it's just been getting less and less and less since since we've been up here, right? And so you know yeah. it's it's you know I, I think we're going to be subtropical in the I next th- decade. Yeah, you're going to be pretty. pretty <laughs> soon you're be like, I'm glad we bought this when we did. Now it's beachfront property. <laughs> exactly. This was this was this was good. This was good planning. Uh, if we can rent this out to people, they'll pay so much money to come vacation here. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, we have we we have cold winters in Michigan. Not, you know, nothing like Maine, probably, right. but. Um, we have had actually some, a couple pretty mm-hmm. bad winters um, yeah. that you know have been like, I don't know. We had a record number of days two years ago under ten degrees or whatever, yeah. you know, and uh, and it just didn't get above like fifteen degrees for like a month, right? Yeah, <laughs> which is really rare. Well, but, where where are you in Michigan anyway? So I'm in West Michigan, Grand Rapids okay. area. Oh, and, okay. Um, so, so you probably so don't it's get, not super far north. Yeah, I was gonna say you also probably don't get the lake effects that a lot of places do. No, we're not quite close enough yeah. to the lake. We we get it um, to some extent, but uh, yeah. But you know the summers are usually pretty miserable here. It's it's really been nice, and for the first time ever, I am going to Western Washington, where it's going to be like 
worse, less desirable <laughs> weather from my perspective yeah. anyway. It's like 70s here, 80s, oh, like, and right. it's it's kind of a cool breeze. It's, it's humid, but it, at least there's that cool I'm breeze so coming. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we're going to Seattle, and it's going to be like 90s. Yeah. Oh, oh I know. And the, the thing is, man, wow. like my ideal weather is like the summers I had as a kid where it's like maybe high 70s at the most, a little bit of cloud mm-hmm. cover, so you get the occasional shady patch and just nice, yeah, right. you know, cool breezes just blowing through. That's the PNW that I know and love. Sure. This, I don't know where I am anymore. I don't even know you anymore, Washington. This is way too hot. <laughs> yeah, I know, really. It's, it's, it's getting crazy. And, and you couldn't pay me enough to live like along the Gulf Coast. Oh, no. I mean, oh. th- th- this tor- I, 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 I keep an eye on the weather, and, and this tornado season has been just insane. It started around Christmas, it seems. Yeah. And it's just been like they've been getting hit by tornado warning after tornado warning down south. And then the hurricanes, um, I mean, the the climatologists are predicting that that uh, they you may not actually see more hurricanes, but they're going to be a lot more intense. Right, right. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, there, there won't be a lot of them, but if you get hit by one. <laughs> yeah, say goodbye. Yeah. It's going to be bad yeah, news. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see... Uh, what the weather looks like in five years, ten years. It's just, yeah. I feel like everything is going to be, it's just going to be completely different. Like That, that, sounds, yeah. that sounds like the Chinese version of interesting, which, you know, to them was a curse. Right, yeah. Yeah, what interesting in that context was, it'll be mortifying to see what the weather is like in five or ten years. Right. That's what, that's what I exactly. meant to say. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't think I'd want to live anywhere else. I mean, other places in the country have tornadoes and earthquakes mm-hmm. and yeah. hurricanes, and typhoons, volcanoes out where you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, we can have it worse. So I'm, 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 I'm liking this. Yeah, I know. I always, I always think yeah. about the fact that we don't get, you know, earthquakes or a whole lot of, you know, natural disasters over here in Washington. But then I remember the fact that I'm like within driving distance of two active volcanoes. And I'm like, oh, That's right. right. You're living okay. in the shadow of a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I always okay. forget about that. But that is true. Yeah. Thank God, I, well, thank God I live up on a hill right now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's also dependent if you're west or east of the volcano. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're west, it, it's definitely better because uh, chances are most of the ash is going to go east. Exactly, you know? exactly. So, and I am west so, of the mountains, so I'm I'm feeling feeling good, pretty good. secure yeah, so. in my location right now. I had no idea about any of this. This is good good to know for future oh possible moves. You know, <laughs> just don't just don't buy a house in Sumner, Nate. They, they mm-hmm. have the, the volcano evacuation route signs are just all over the place down there, and I'm like, oh, well, I God. don't know if I'd buy a house down here. Does the cost of real estate reflect? Yeah, that? it's cheaper to live down there uh, because okay. if the volcano goes, uh, like have have fun getting out of there. But um. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh I, I, I don't get people who buy houses like in in places where there are regular disasters. Yeah, like yeah. like a, like people who build near a river on a floodplain. Let's look at that name for a moment. <laughs> a floodplain. Yeah. Flo- it's li- literally named <laughs> yeah. after a disaster. That's right. <laughs> oh man, let's, we once let's moved build a house in the floodplain. <laughs> I did construction for a summer, and we once moved a house. The the project was there was this lady in this floodplain in western washington somewhere (laughs) and everyone basically had to move because they were you know redoing the code or whatever and and making it really strict and it was just insurance was going to be through the roof and all this stuff and so everyone basically was moving out of this valley except this one woman there might have been more but we we were paid to move this woman's house up onto i don't even know what it was i don't know construction very well i was just a grunt Mm. but you know, basically to raise her house a good 15, 20 feet in the air and her barn. And it was just like, wow. I mean, she was just that one, one old lady who refused to move. How do you even begin doing that? Like, how do you, we got to get this house from here to there. Like, I I feel like, oh, I don't even understand. Yeah. I've seen that kind of thing. They they basically put these hydraulic jacks under a house Mm -hmm. and then just sort Mm -hmm. of begin lifting it up, placing beams under, lift it up again, place beams under and just, just keep lifting it up until it's, it's, resting on these either wooden or more you know more likely today i beams 
Yeah, this it, I think was yeah. concrete. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I was cutting a lot of rebar, and I hated yeah. that. <laughs> that, just, that just doesn't sound well, like something that should work. Like, I like the first person that was like, I bet if we put some hydraulic like <laughs> lifts under this house, I bet we could lift uh, the house up. And hey, this... speaking of someone who's built their own house, I don't want to live in a house that I can't lift as a single piece. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I, I want it to be sturdy. Yeah. You know, you I, go, I, I want it to be a single piece that I can lift up and, and move somewhere. Lift up with your to. bare hands if you need to. We're moving, kids. <laughs> grab a side. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I want to attach a hot air balloon to the top. <laughs> that would be amazing. And, and I want uh, this house airborne stat. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Alex, your place looks cool, man. I saw that, uh, I don't know, you did a tour video or something like that a while ago. Oh, back. yeah. Yeah, it was a while Just ago. talking about your life, and that was, that was awesome. Yeah, it's cool to see stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I like our house. Um, it's it's a bit small by many standards. Uh, uh, well, each section is like a 450 square feet, so mm-hmm. uh, together it's about 900. But we uh, we don't use the upstairs quite as much as we used to. We're, we're, we use mainly the downstairs because of the insulation. Right. And in the winter time is just much more practical. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, we're we're really kind of big into the sort of tiny house, you know, living, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Again, that's also something very practical. There, there are a lot of people build tiny houses on on trailers, and they can just move them around. Right. So, you know, climate changes. Uh, just hook up your house to a trailer. <laughs> exactly. And off you go. Exactly. <laughs> there you I go. know. I'm always a little envious of seeing things like that. And you know, people build like micro homes and stuff, and they just say yeah. just enough space. You know, and um, it's just it's yep. kind of a nice thought, but. I think, you know, at some point in my life I might get there, but it's just not feasible for me right now. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. It, it, yeah. it, 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 is, it is challenging, but yeah. the, the, one of the biggest benefits is that you you own it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, you don't have payments on it. And, I mean, apart from student loans, which is probably the worst, you know, mortgages are, are the next biggest oh, yeah. drain on your, on your income. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't need a huge paying job to live here. Yeah. Because everything's paid for, you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, oh, we got to bring in, you know, this much for for rent and mortgage and all this other stuff. It's just not necessary. That's so, nice. That's really uh, nice. Yeah, yep. it's, it, it's a it's a huge, huge, uh, huge, huge thing. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> got a segue for me? Uh, there. <clears throat> I, could say, uh, yeah. I could say. I could say. <laughs> I was I was waiting for him, but we just have. How has the climate changed in your game? <laughs> oh no, no. We're, 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 if we were doing weather, this would be perfect. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, ah, screw the segue. Uh, welcome to Roll Up and Die, your <laughs> your visceral RPG uh, podcast. Oh nice. Ooh, my yeah. my my name is Alex, aka Captain Gothnog, and my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice, and we're we're joined tonight by a special guest, Nate from WASD Twenty. How's it going, Nate? Very well. Awesome. Thank awesome. you for having me, guys. Uh, why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about your your channel? Go ahead and get your shameless plug yeah, in at the definitely. at the intro here. Absolutely. Um, I have a lot of shame about it, actually, but okay. <laughs> no, okay. Um, Tell us about your shame. So, yeah. Um, I have a YouTube channel called WASD20. I started it about a year ago, a little more. And um, it is about uh, tabletop role-playing games and a little bit of video games thrown in the mix. I was planning to do a lot more of that, but, um, man, tabletop role-playing games have just uh, become a much bigger interest right. to me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, and I also have a website that I started a couple months back, and that's wasd20.net. So, yeah, I mostly talk about um, D&D 5e these days, because I'm mm-hmm. really digging it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, just a, a little of everything, uh, world building, miniatures, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. It's awesome. And, Nate, I, want, I wanted you to come on and specifically for this episode, because you have an interesting perspective uh because you you came to RPGs later in life. Like this is like a new hobby for you pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, when I was thinking about um roll up and die, I was like pretty much the only like um uh, topic I'd be qualified to discuss is um like 
how to get new players into the hobby. <laughs> so, hey, <laughs> and, and, and they I don't have a ton of experience, and and uh, but hey, I can talk about the perspective of a fairly new player. Exactly. And there so, is a, and there is our segue because today <laughs> we are steering into uncharted waters. We're discussing the process of introducing people to role playing games, and perhaps even putting your own your role playing group together for the first time, mm-hmm. and discussing what's involved in that. You know, tips, tricks. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the everything involved. So, um, yeah. well, okay. Well, I guess Nate, uh, how did you mm-hmm. get involved in role playing, and what was your early experience like? Yeah. So I, it's it's been a little over a year now, probably about thirteen, fourteen months, and um, I, you know, just kind of out of the blue, um, decided this is something I want to do. I, I, um, I actually read uh, a couple books that that kind of made mention of it. I've been into video games my whole life and into role-playing video games my whole life. Um, But uh, I never, yeah, I don't know. So I'll just, I guess, talk about the books. Uh, One was Masters of Doom, which is about the guys at id Software who made Doom and Wolfenstein. And and they were really into D&D. And they talked about um, their D&D game in this book, Masters of Doom, uh, the, the author does and how it influenced their game making mm. and it just sounded wild and crazy and like <laughs> whoa and they, they got so into it and and um, you know John Carmack built this world and and um, you know just there was they would they would scream and yell and it was it just sounded amazing and um, that was a couple years ago and then I also read um, Ready Player One which is a novel that kind of um, Oh, it's just chock full of geek stuff. And um, <laughs> so D&D is a part of that, and they, they kind of make mention of it there. So I just decided, you know, this is, this sounds interesting. I'd like to give it a try. So um, I reached out um, on a uh, Facebook group for gamers and uh, in, in my city, and um, uh, Juice actually responded and said, yeah, I, we should talk sometime. So um, you guys might know uh, Tabletop Gaming with Juice. I'm, I'm and, vaguely uh, familiar mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, um, yeah, he was he was a big help to me, and um, and then I just I showed up at a gaming store. We had trouble getting a home game going for a while, so I just showed up at a gaming store to yeah. uh, Pathfinder Society, and the guys were just I didn't know anything. I mean, I, I'd watched a couple of videos on YouTube and read some stuff, but I knew very little. Just kind of showed up with some dice, and guy said, "Here, has, have a miniature. This would fit your character." And here's a character sheet. And let's go, That's giddy awesome. up. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. That's cool. So mm-hmm. um, Matt, what what was your first experience with role playing? So I, my first experience with role playing, I actually I started role playing about sixteen years ago this year actually, and my first experience was my dad, who was into D and D and grew up playing D and D, basically said. You know, hey, you know, I, I wanna, I wanna play this Star Wars game with you. And I was like, oh, you know, what kind of game is it? And he was kind of explaining it to me, and it sounded like a board game. So I was like, you know, is it like a board game? He's like, no, there's no, there's no pieces, there's no map. You just you roll dice and you narrate what you're gonna do. And I was like, I was 11 years old, and I'm like, okay, I, I guess, sure, that sounds <laughs> that sounds kind of cool. And so we played uh, West End Games Star Wars RPG, the D6 uh, Star Wars RPG. Which is actually where uh, part of the inspiration for the the name A Fistful of Dice, because in that game, the better you are at something, the more D6s you roll. And so you're literally rolling just big old fistfuls of of D6s. And so we played, you know, one or two sessions of that, and it was was a lot of fun, just me and him, just this one-on-one campaign. And then about a year later, uh, third edition Dungeons & Dragons came out. And my dad was like, you know, hey, would you be interested in playing D&D with me? And I was like... Uh, isn't D and D like for huge nerds? Like, do, like, aren't you? Don't you have to be super nerdy to be into D and D? And my dad, you know, <laughs> just probably is like, oh, you know, bless your heart, son. You are already are a huge nerd. Like, there's no, there's no saving you. So you might as well, you might as well just get into this. So, but um, <laughs> my dad and I went out to. There was actually a Wizards of the Coast store. Oh, I guess it wasn't at Wizards. No, we went to we went to O'Leary's, which was this amazing. Uh, nerd shop that was around on as a kid sadly it's not around anymore but we bought the third edition sort of beginner box it was just this little folder that had a bunch of character sheets and adventure in it and some dice and came back home and we ran through this adventure me and him and my my little sister who doesn't play D anymore hasn't played in years but technically started playing before i even did because she was so young but 
yeah, we played this game, and I played a human rogue and got killed by a skeleton in the first uh, first encounter. And but man, I was hooked. Nice. I've been playing ever since. So <clears throat> nice. What about nice. you, Alex? Oh man, I, I I came in close to the beginning. I, I uh, started in the early '80s. I got my first. Uh, I got the red box, mm. um, uh, and uh, started with that. It was a gift, and so I, I just I started playing with one of my friends, and we would just alternate kind of running adventures for each other that would make up. I mean, we we actually started with Keep on the Borderlands, which nice. is you know the the original, yeah, classic. And classic. but it, and uh, you know my 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 favorite. Uh, monster to this day is still the gelatinous cube because yes. it was one of the first things I encountered. <laughs> but but my first character sheet uh, was on an old mechanical typewriter uh, that, that I, oh, that I made up. You know, it was, it was a little, little sheet of paper and I just tick, 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 you know, typed it all up. <laughs> and uh, I, I still have that character sheet somewhere. Oh, that's, I was oh, just going to ask if you, you still had it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been about... Uh, Oh, just about thirty years that I've been playing D and D. Yeah, and um, we we also played other games as as I got into high school. Some friends of mine would occasionally run, say, Boot Hill, right? Uh, Gamma World. Um, which I think there was another one in there too. Uh, Traveler, mm. and most of the time we'd be playing D and D, but occasionally, you know, would say, "Well, you know, let's let's change it up." So we'll play, you know, we'll play this, you know, for a couple of weeks or whatever. But it was it was D and D for the most part for a long time until, uh, um, you know, kind of the big, um, I don't know what you call it, role playing game boom of the of the nineties. Yeah. And they started to come up with more uh, options yep. and more systems and so right. forth. And then I started to kind of change up a little bit. But I always stayed pretty close to D- you know I always played D and D. And then for a while I played Pathfinder. But uh, uh, when Fifth Edition came out. I felt that D and D really kind of came back and and you know took the best of everything that it had, had before, and and distilled it into this into the system. So I'm 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 pretty happy with that right now. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also enamored now with uh, you know games like uh, the the Ubiquity system, which is in Desolation, Hollow Earth Expeditions. I like uh, uh, you know Call of Cthulhu things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So I'm playing a while. Cool. So what what for you guys is like if you're trying to sell somebody on D&D or just on RPGs in general like what do you how do you explain it to them cuz it was for me I worked at a game shop for a couple of years and explaining tabletop RPGs to people that had never played before was difficult because there was nothing to really latch onto there was no context around it so it's like, you know, you try to explain it and they go, oh, like a video game. And you're like, ah, not really like a video game. And you try to explain it another way and they go, oh, like like a board game. Well, no, not really like a board game. Like, it's kind of, it's it's just the own thing, you know? And so, like, mm-hmm. what what do you guys find is the, the best way to describe or just sort of pitch a game to somebody who has never played before, never experienced it before? I think the term cooperative storytelling is, is a good one mm-hmm. to use. It, get, yeah. get, it kind of gets people into the the mood of, of what's involved because each person is sort of adding to the story ideally and uh, you know the, the GM may have you know kind of the, the overall arc in mind but the players are still adding to the story and can change it as much if not more sometimes than the GM can with their actions and so seeing it as a, as a cooperative story I think is, is, is big um but the people really have to have that kind of creative spark in them. They have to be able to have that desire to want to create and to imagine. Right. And for some people, it's hard. Oh, yeah, definitely. You yeah, I, I, I would say it's it's hard for my wife. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been trying to get her interested in it. And, uh, yeah, I think that, you know... Uh, I actually um, showed her a bit of the the new Will Wheaton thing mm-hmm. um, oh, last good. week, mm-hmm. just like session zero, because yeah, um, one of one of her struggles with it was this is for nerds or this is for, you know, 
weird goth people or <laughs> yes. I don't know what, right? Um, and, the main um, pastime no, no, of basement dwellers. No, no, that, that, that's Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. That's, <laughs> there you that's, go. that's Onyx Path. Yeah, you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I showed her uh, some of that, and, and she says, okay, I'm, st- I'm starting to get it. And, and she kind of got over the, the it's just for nerds thing because right. these people seem like, normal well-adjusted people um <laughs> but um unlike me apparently or i don't know <laughs> yeah like but she's like well you play it but that's not a good like barometer for me i need to i need something else <laughs> you're totally. insane I, I can't i can't do what you do <laughs> so yeah i think that the thing she came away with though okay it's it's cool i i kind of am starting to get it more but I, I just she does not have that desire to create right. yeah. as much as I do at least right. and you know I hope that does awaken within her but if it doesn't no big yeah. deal and and yeah so you're right the creativity thing is a huge part of it and I would say collaborative storytelling or cooperative storytelling yeah. is a great way to describe it yeah and you know at, at the risk of sounding like the old man who's yelling at the kids to get off my lawn <laughs> I, I don't think I think imagination is not as valued as today as it was when I was when I was growing up I think it's it's uh, I don't know it, it, more things are done for kids you know yeah. when I was growing mm-hmm. up we had you know if you wanted to pretend you had a gun you had to get a stick right <laughs> you know yes <laughs> until you could afford maybe a BB gun mm-hmm. but uh, so there's so many toys today that try to do everything for the kids they make noises they do they make movement they they do everything and then you get into video games and everything is sort of imagined for you right right and so <clears throat> the art of imagining yourself is yeah. is kind of is kind of fading a bit and that and um the tack i usually come to with people if i'm trying to get them interested in in role playing is have you ever watched a movie and been angry at what the characters were doing yeah like they, they were doing something <laughs> so stupid or so bad or so you know that was just wrong it's like no don't do that and, <laughs> and you get angry at it well you know what how, what if you were the character? You know, what if you could be that guy? What would you do differently? Yeah. And now yeah. suddenly you can put mm. them into that role. It's like now they have that, this power to be the hero in this action movie. Right. Yeah. And, or and what say, if you could stop that guy? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Right. From doing something stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Your stop friend who's sitting across the table from you. <laughs> <laughs> you That's idiot. It. Stop him from doing something stupid. But yeah. what if you? But what if you could change that? Yeah. And 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 in this mm. in this type of game you can you know same thing with video games have you ever run into a point where you know you think your character should be able to climb a rock and you can't, you can't or yeah. pick pick up something off the ground and you can't in a role-playing yeah. game you can yeah you can mm-hmm. do anything that you can imagine that's you know? that's a really smart way to describe it because that, that's the thing is mm-hmm. is it's difficult to liken D to other media but if you do it in a way that's like well, this allows you to do things that these things can't. I think that that, yeah. that sells it more to people who would might not necessarily be super interested in it. And yeah. it's it's interesting too, you know, Nate, that you're saying, you know, well, my my wife is not super into it because she doesn't she doesn't like to create as much. And what I found with D and D is, um, like, there's something in RPGs for everybody. Like, yeah. even if you don't necessarily like to contribute as much in the collaboration of the story, like, maybe mm-hmm. you really like combat. Maybe you really like describing the, you know, the narrative of the combat and the cool mm-hmm. stunts and moves you're doing. Or maybe you're really into interacting with other characters yeah. and, you know, uh, yeah. conversing with, with NPCs and also people around the table. Maybe you're really into the mechanics of it. Maybe you're really into the rules and and building yeah. a character that does all the things that you want them to be able to do. And mm-hmm. all of that stuff, it all contributes to the experience. It all contributes at the table in different ways. Yep. And so what I found is like even people who at first aren't so sure about it, if they keep up with it, they'll find things that they like about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they'll find, you know, even if they're they're not intuitively creative or don't feel that they are, they'll find ways to to be creative exactly. and i think creativity awakens in people the yeah. more that they are around people who are creative that's been true of me for sure in, in the past year yeah where I, I didn't think of myself that way but it it has been awakened in a way yeah well yeah. and it's it's one thing to sit at a, at a at a computer by yourself and try to you know be creative try to write something or 
or something like that. But if you're at a table with a bunch of your friends and you're all kind of just really into it, like it's easy to create. It's easy to come up with mm-hmm. cool stuff because you're all kind of riffing mm-hmm. on each other and building upon it. Yeah. It's like that, you know, and then this happened and oh yeah. And then this happened. And wouldn't it be cool if it was like <laughs> this and like, you know, like, oh yeah, like you flip the car and while it's flipping through the air, I'm shooting the fuel tank and what, you know, it's like <laughs> you just kind of build upon what the other people have done and it makes it really easy and really fun you know a lot funner than it would be to just sit by yourself and do it sure yeah and and there are genres for just about everyone out there oh yeah i mean the the obvious ones that we're familiar with are sci-fi fantasy you know we're we're really into those horror is one but i mean with with the proliferation of of indie video indie role-playing games you know you have something like fiasco where you know, you can just have it all entirely dialogue, and it can be a romantic comedy. It can be, <laughs> you know, um, uh, if you know you're a fan of um, Fargo, play that game. Yeah. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you can you can you can you can play that in the game. Yeah, I yeah. I just picked up a game the other day called Secrets of Cats. It's it's a fake game where you play as magic cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, so it's like there's stuff out there for and every time I go to the game shop I see something new. It's like, "Oh, this is an RPG that lets you play in, you know, giant mecha and this is a game mm-hmm. that lets you play yeah. as witches and wizards like Harry Potter and, you know, this is a, you know, uh, cat pirates in space." You know, it just it gets it, there's <laughs> everything you can imagine and so I feel like whatever anyone is into unless they're just not a very like passionate person they're not into things you can find something for pretty much everybody yeah yeah yep. and, and there I are ways agree. to draw there way and and since we're talking about ways to draw people in even people who aren't necessarily in it to begin with can be drawn into it if you prepare the right adventure yes. for them yeah and and this sort of leads into the thing that i was interested in kind of talking about which is um, making sure that the group that you're putting together is all on the same page as far as how they're going to role play. Yeah, you know yeah. because that that is a, that is a crucial crucial thing if you're going to be starting a group if you're going to be uh, even just learning role playing game a role playing game from scratch or trying to get other people into it. You know, make sure that you talk to everyone ahead of time to know what kind of game they want to play. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah, it's it's it is really important to make sure that you're running a game that everyone wants to play in, and also that you want to run. And yeah. you know, it's like I I have you know people in my at home group who, uh, you know, maybe they don't enjoy D and D as much. They can't get into it. They have trouble sort of picturing the things in them in their heads. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll run a Call of Cthulhu game, and all of a sudden there's <laughs> things that they can latch onto. There's cars, there's phones, there's guns. You know, yeah. and all of a sudden they're really really into it because they can relate things to to something else and. You know, I, I might run, you know, Star Wars for one group and they might eat it up. I might run it for another group and they might just be like, I'm, I'm not really into Star Wars. This isn't really that, that fun for me. And then mm-hmm. beyond that, just like you're saying, Alex, like how the table feels, how much, yeah. how immersive are you going to get with the role play? How, you know, what's the tone mm-hmm. of the game going to be? Is it going to be violent and dark or is it going to be kind of like high adventure and fun and, and uh, you know, kind of mythic heroes and stuff like that? And so it's it's important to get a feel for what your players want and get a gauge for that and, and implement it to the best of your ability at the table. Well, and some yeah. of that is about just having open communication. Yeah. You know, being able to talk to everyone ahead of time saying, okay, look, I'm planning on running a PG-13 game. Uh, it's going to have some, you know, some minor adult content. The language is going to be rough sometimes, but we're not going to go beyond that. Right. But you might also have a game where, look, I'm running an R-rated game. There's going to be gore. There's going to be torture. There's going to be, you know, gratuitous sex. There's going to be all these there's kinds of be things. Sasquatches. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What are the chances oh, of that? Though? Come on. But no. So, it, but you know, you 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 know, set up the game ahead of time and say this 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 is the kind of game I'm running. Yeah. Is this something yeah. that appeals to you? And, um, you know, especially where people might have had issues in the past you want to find out if there's any triggers for them if there's any issues that they might have to deal with that wouldn't be compatible with that setting and having all this discussion ahead of time is critical to having a fun and enjoyable game for everyone yeah yeah i i agree i think though at at for a lot of new players i mean they're just picking up i mean i'm, I'm picturing me a year ago 
I'm just picking up the Pathfinder beginner box. I'm just yeah. picking up the D&D starter set. I'm not going to have that conversation. Right. <laughs> True. You know? right. True. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that an experienced GM should and would. Um, and But but I, um, you know, the setting is important. Um, and as you said, the tone, I think, is huge. The You know, is it going to be sword and sorcery? Is it going to be... Mm-hmm intrigue and and investigation is it going to be you know um just hack and slash and and i think that's that's pretty important but a lot of new players unfortunately aren't um i'm torn about it you know i I think that for most people i just say just buy the D &D starter set if they're wanting to try to play (laughs) a a role-playing game at the same time i understand people who say no don't do that look at all the options and choose what best fits you and really do your research um so i I kind of am torn between those two yeah i do think that you know you you do need a jumping off point you need like a baseline you know you need Mm -hmm. your 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 median before you start kind of branching off and so you know picking up you know something like a starter set or a beginner box or mm-hmm. you know looking for for something online for for beginners is really good because those things are tailor-made for like you know we're gonna throw a bunch of stuff at you and see what sticks it's like there's gonna be combat mm-hmm. there's gonna be exploration there's yeah. gonna be investigation yeah. you know and mm-hmm. using those adventures using those things you can see when did my players have a lot of fun like when when yeah. did the table feel most alive and energetic well it was when we were like doing that puzzle okay i'm gonna like make sure that i put a lot of puzzles in my game or it was during combat i'm gonna make sure i really focus on the combats or some you know so you can use Mm -hmm. that kind of as a baseline but there is that like you're saying nate there's that first when you first step off the cliff and you're plummeting to the ground below and you're just (laughs) you're reaching out and you're grabbing whatever's cool you know just like oh i want to put this and this and this yeah you know you do have to take that first step though you do have to take that leap and you have to stick with it too. It might, it's not going to feel perfect, but if you try to have fun with it, you're going to have fun with it. Definitely. And yep. I think today people have an advantage that I didn't have when I first started because when I first started, no one was playing it. Right. <laughs> there, were, there were no D&D players. <laughs> yeah. But now with the technology we have, I mean, we can, we can game with people around the world literally. Yeah. You know, we, yep. we can, we can find players from everywhere. So, if you're new coming into the the hobby, if you're new coming into role playing, it's it's so easy to find people who are experienced, who have who have run games for a long time, who have you know already done all this stuff, right? And even watch their games online and sort of kind of get a feel for what's out there, and perhaps you know begin to sort of develop your own opinion about your style from there. Yeah, you know you might watch a game and say, oh, I love I love this style of game. We might go, mm-hmm. yeah, Jesus, that's that was a little harsh. That's not for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you, you know, there's there's more available to the to the gamer today. Yeah. Than there was, yeah. you know, thirty years ago. Oh, I feel, I feel like we're in a yeah. we're in a golden age of gaming right now. I re- I really yeah. do like you know like you're saying, Alex. Yeah. There was a golden age in the '90s when just it was just this huge boom, and there were so many games. Yep. And I feel like we're experiencing that again with you know with so many digital tools that are happening and and working seamlessly with the tactile feel of the mm-hmm. game and. Um, so it's really great, but well, and going through things like Skype, like we're doing now, oh, yeah, or, absolutely. Through, or through Google Hangouts. Yeah, I mean, uh, most of my most of my games I play in now are international. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, my, my my campaign that just ended had had someone from 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 Iceland, from the UK, from um, from Hungary. Yeah, you know, all in the same wow. game, right? You know, yeah. I mean, you're on the west, you're on the west coast. I'm on the east coast, yeah. and and. Uh, I'm in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah right, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like you know, <laughs> exactly, my yeah. Provokers game has it's three different time zones happening in it. It's just it's it's crazy the amount of flexibility and, and usability that we have nowadays. And yeah, you know, I have I have a friend that I game with a lot who's moving away. He's moving to New York, and it's like I'm not even bummed because it's like, dude, no, we're gonna play over Skype. Like, don't even worry about it. Like, we're still yeah. gonna game together. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And in the, in the old days, we were stuck with, I, I say stuck, but we, we were pretty much stuck with who you had around yeah. you. We were stuck with your friends. <laughs> exactly. That was it. Who's in walking you distance? Know? That's who I can That's play right. with. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, <laughs> can, your mom, can your mom give you a ride over? You know? <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. You're in. <laughs> that was it. Um, so, yeah. I, um, yeah. I can't imagine not having, you know, access <clears throat> to an online community of gamers. Yeah. Um, and, and how different. Um, things would be right now 
for for gaming for me if it weren't for that right um mm-hmm. you know i i have a pretty good um home group that juice gms and uh we get together about once a month usually um and then my own game that i gm is really spotty and off and on and and all new players so um but but the online community has just opened up just a whole new level it just opened my mind yeah. to different ways and yeah. styles and 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 different styles of role play and GMing and all of this it's it's just been so beneficial absolutely absolutely well something something i want to i want to talk about too and i'm going to pose this to you first Nate is um the rules discussion that's yeah. one of the biggest hurdles like along with getting people into role playing is the rules and i have a very like kind of hands-off approach where it's like here are the basics and you're going to learn as we go because i don't want yeah. you to worry yeah. about the rules i don't want you to get hung up but for you nate like you you first started playing pathfinder which is a tome a massive book lots yeah. of lots of rules very 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 crunchy yeah so what for you was most beneficial when you were first coming into it regarding the rules? Like, how did you go about that? Well, you know, I did, I did read some of the rules and I did watch, um, some, some actual plays and, and watch some YouTube videos and tutorials and stuff like that and and read online and asked questions on forums and on Reddit and whatever. Um, but, I think the best thing was what I did is is that I I did have a, a sort of a foundation before showing up to my first game, you know, just via those things I had mentioned online and whatever, reading the books. But um, I just showed up and I didn't know that much. I didn't know the difference between my D twelve and my D twenty yet. Mm-hmm. And you know, <laughs> I still don't I, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I just. And they just and they made it very clear on online, you know, on this um, it was a meetup group actually. They just said, "Hey, no experience necessary." Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm taking taking them for <laughs> taking their word on that. Right, right. And I showed up, and um, you know, they were just very helpful. And so I think yes, that hands-off style that you mentioned is the best. And um, shameless plug for my how to play D and D series. Um, <laughs> I, I I kind of try to make a point of mentioning that, even though I'm. I'm I get into the rules a lot in some of my videos and do character creation and all this stuff that's dealing with the rules and looking at the book. I, I try to make clear that, you know, the best thing to do is just to show up and have an open mind. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully people will be in a place where they have a GM who can work with that. Exactly. And I think that's the kind of GM that we all are. Um, and, and that's the best. Um, and, you know, there are players who want to get a better foundation. I, I guess I was kind of one of those. I did some research and reading. But, um, yeah, I think that's the best thing. Just show up with an open mind and hope that there's a good GM who can work with that. Yeah, I, you know, I come from the school of, like, you tell me what you want to do and I will tell you how it works in the rules. Or if I yeah. don't know offhand, I'll make a calling. Because it's like, yeah, that's exactly. it. That's the best thing you yeah. can do as a dungeon master is yep. get comfortable making rules dis- rules calls I'm one of those guys that, like you, Nate, like, I enjoy knowing the rules. I enjoy knowing what makes the game work, what makes everything fit together and, 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 and operate. But I also yeah. like the game to not lose momentum. And so if someone yeah, says, I want to try and do something insane, I go, absolutely, <laughs> here's what you're going to roll, you know? Or, yeah. yes, yeah. it happens, yeah. you know? So I think that one of the most important tools that, that Game Masters, especially game masters who are new to it can do is like get the basics down you want the fundamentals of how everything works down and then make it up from there you know just make calls get comfortable being confident about your rules decisions yeah and that's what i tell players too especially new ones you know because a lot of uh, especially younger ones that i that i'm i'm experiencing now they they're coming in from a video game background right so they're they're accustomed to limitations so they might say, oh, you know, can I do this? Can I do that? It's like, you're an action hero. You tell me what you want to do, and I'll tell you what die you have to roll for. Exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Make it awesome. Exactly. That's the important thing. That's, Make it yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's, what, that's the, <laughs> one of the best things you can tell your players, too, is, like, because we do come from that mindset of, like, well, I can only do what's on my character sheet, or I can only do what's on you know, what's in the book here. And it's like, no, at you, yes. exactly. <clears throat> you want to do something cool? describe it to me and i will tell you what to do with the rules to make that happen 
yeah, yeah Chris, Chris my Pr- biggest. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, ahead, Alex. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I was gonna say uh, Chris Perkins had a great line in in uh, in in one of the uh, um, acquisitions incorporated games. You know, he's like, you know. Uh, if you want to seduce me, you know, t- tell me how. To, you know, <laughs> basically, you know, sell it to me. Yeah, and, and, and I'll yes. tell you, and I'll tell you if you have a chance of doing it. That's that's uh, a perfect know, way to describe make, it. You, know, you you sell it to me in your description, and if it's awesome, you'll have you'll have a chance of doing it. Exactly. Yeah. But that's if, great. You, if you fail, it will be an awesome fail. I guarantee. It. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that that's one of my biggest regrets as as a new GM is that I did. I was coming from that video game mindset where if, if it's not in the book or if, if it's in a part of the book that I haven't read yet, <laughs> then the answer <laughs> oh, is I no. I haven't actually gotten to that chapter yet. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I can't then, do a damn. Then just, just do something else instead was kind of my my answer my first yeah. time GMing. Right. And, um, you know, just hit the dang thing already, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I really regret that. Um, you know, I think that's, that's uh, good advice for new GMs is that just – yeah, just make it up and and you know find a difficulty check or whatever fits the game you're playing and and go with it and say yeah sure you can try that let's just let's make it work exactly um, and and if you're too familiar with the rules as a new player even you might get into that mindset like you said yeah. Alex where it's just like oh if it's not on my character sheet if it's not in the rules I can't do it when really no just just do anything and we'll make the rules work somehow exactly yeah. well and I Definitely. I always make sure that when I make a rules calling I say here's how it's going to work now after the game I'm going to look it up in case we need to do it differently next time you know what I mean yeah so it's yeah, it's smart. it's uh and it's just part of being confident with that process and and being able to just kind of roll with it so yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is new players making their first character. That's something that a lot of the pl- mm-hmm. new players that I've worked with struggle with. It's like, well, I don't know what to yeah. make. And my go-to technique is to t- is to ask them like, what's a fictional character that you really like? Yeah. You know, definitely. do you like Jack Sparrow mm-hmm. from Pirates of the Caribbean? <clears throat> do you like Luke yep. Skywalker? Do you like you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know but you know there's a million of examples you know movies and books and comic books and stuff like that video games even so I always I always ask them what's a fictional character that you like let's put a spin on it and mm-hmm. make it happen in the game so what yep. is what yep. do you guys do do you guys do something similar with with first time characters or yeah definitely I think you yeah. know if, if I ask them you know if they say well oh, can I be this can I be that it's like you tell me what kind of character you want to play yeah you know, just describe yep. it. Don't don't worry about the rules. Don't worry about classes or any of that crap. Tell me what kind of character you want to play, and we'll find out. We'll find the class. We'll find the background. We'll find all the stuff that fits your character exactly. And and if yep. it's not and if it's not there exactly, we'll tweak it. You know, yeah, not not a problem. But come up come up with a cool character, an awesome character that you're excited to play because that's the most important thing is that the player is excited about their character. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. That, and and that everyone else and that they everyone else is excited about it too. They want to see this what this character does next. Yeah, they want know? to interact yeah. with the character exactly. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I had yeah. a I, I ran a, a Mad Max uh, Fate Accelerated game last night, and oh, I, had, nice. I had a player yeah. who had never really played any sort of tabletop RPG before, and he sat down at the table, and I was like, you know, well, what kind of character do you think you'd like to be? And he said, well, I don't know, like, I, I really like Braun from Game of Thrones, but that doesn't really fit with the Mad Max universe. And I go, no, 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 that's perfect. I bet? said, let's, let's, that's perfect. Let's take, <laughs> let's take the character of Braun and let's figure yeah. out how he would work in a post-apocalyptic Australian outback. You know, let's Damn figure right, it yeah. out. And it, was, it turned out to be an awesome character. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that I... I often go for the, you know, think of a character from fiction that, that you like. And that, that usually works for most people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think there's, there's almost two sides to it. Um, there is the class side of things. And then there's the, the personality side of things. Right. Do you want to be someone who hits things? Uh, do you want to be someone who, <laughs> who, you know, is very learned and, and casts spells? But a lot of times those, you know, I think in those two cases, the, par- the personality often works with that. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I you know, my wife, um, when, when we were making her first Pathfinder character about a year ago, um, chose, um, oh, now I'm going to be, t- oh, Katniss from The Hunger Games. Oh, I was like, perfect, oh, yeah. I, oh, I nice. kind of yeah, like yeah. her. And it's like, you know, she hasn't read a ton of fantasy or sci-fi or... 
um, anything, but but she knew that character and liked that character, and so we went with that, and you know, made her a rogue who was focused on ranged combat, and mm-hmm. it was great. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's just a really because you know new players they see the character sheet they they see the book and it's overwhelming it's like oh there's yeah. too much there's too many options i don't even have a place to start from right. and mm-hmm. having them having them just say you know a character that they like that they would enjoy portraying is a really easy way to just boil it down to the essence the archetypal sort of you know thing and make it happen so yeah well that's the thing it doesn't even have to be fantasy or sci-fi exactly. or whatever it is yeah. just pick a, ca- pick a you know pick a character from the sopranos or, or yeah, walking totally. dead or, or whatever it happens to be exactly and yeah. and that character will fit into the sitting i guarantee it yeah i just yeah, i just a made character a character uh... from family ties for god's sake i mean it doesn't Three's, matter Three's company go for it <laughs> no i uh... mr mr roper <laughs> yeah i just made a uh and fifth edition rogue <laughs> who is based off of john wick the keanu Reeves character oh so, yeah, I mean, yeah you know you just do all kinds of crazy yeah, stuff with it absolutely um, um i should point out that we probably should uh field a few questions yes here, we since, should since we're, mm-hmm. we're, pre- we're uh pressing on in our in our regular time yes here. we are awesome so uh, uh matt if you want to yeah i can do out, that fish out some fish out some gems yeah so we had a huge amount yeah. of questions uh, for today's episode, um, well, ho- hopefully people thumbs. Thumb, yes, thumb, people thumb, did a great job the liking like. the comments or the questions Sweet. that they wanted answered. So the top mm-hmm. one, the clear cutaway winner, <laughs> comes from uh, Andrew Shamu, who says, "Awesome! The best way to get newbies to role play. Also, perhaps tips to help mo- newbies feel less awkward when role playing. So basically, ah, how do you mm-hmm. get people comfortable portraying a character at the table?" Um, mm. I I have uh, some techniques on this, yeah. but I'm going to shoot it on over to Alex first. Yeah, I guess as a GM, that the the big thing is to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Do it yourself. Put yourself out there mm-hmm. to make 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 the goofy voices and just have have fun with it. You know, <laughs> thanks, folks, for coming into my house. You know, and just and just enjoy it. And they're going to feel comfortable doing it because you're already making a fool of yourself. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So be like, yeah. oh, oh, okay. It, it, it's it's that you know uh, peer pressure or I don't, it's not really peer pressure but kind of peer acceptance. You know, yeah. you're you're <laughs> doing something silly, so oh, okay, it must be okay for me to do something silly too. You know. Well, so and it's can, like as long as you're a it. as long as you're a bigger idiot than they are. <laughs> Like always, exactly. always be a bigger idiot than your players, and they will be comfortable role playing. <laughs> you, 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 yeah. you can write that in stone. <laughs> be a yeah, bigger I... idiot than your players. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah no, I think just leading by example yeah. is huge for for new players and for older. I mean, more experienced players who just are they're more into the crunch. You know, they're yeah. they're not really into the the role playing in character sort of thing. Um, and so, so you, you put them in situations where they're, they're in a conversation with an NPC and, and don't, you know, just say he, he looks at you and he says this, you know, without any expression, but no, you know, if you're not a voices person, contort your face, squint one of your eyes or get a weird pirate sneer on your face, you know, just, um, do something that, and talk directly to them, and you know, really engage them as if you are this NPC. Exactly. One of the, I yeah, mean, one of the, one of the golden rules of writing is show, don't tell, and that's, I mean, you yeah. can do that as a, as a game master as well. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, and the, and the other thing I would say too is like, um, kind of wean them into it. You know, they don't mm-hmm. need to come out with an accent and a, and a fully fleshed out, you know. Uh, mannerisms and stuff like that but just say you know think about how your character would talk how they would act how they would react Mm -hmm. to situations and you don't necessarily need to speak in the first person right away or speak with a voice right away but just get in the habit of when the game starts start thinking about how your character would react to things and and what they would do in certain situations yeah well and picking and, and going back to the whole picking a character from fiction yeah you know Picking what picking a character from a movie or a TV show or whatever it happens to be that has a certain mannerism, play on that. You know, try to try to imitate their voice. And even if it's not them, well, that's good because you're not playing them; you're playing your character. Exactly. So that's your yeah. own voice now. Exactly. You, know, you, you, you you've created it. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. Um, cool. Well, I think it's time for us to 
create an idea that you can steal. And I'm not sure what we're going to create. Any ideas, guys? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, hmm. we, yeah, this, is, this is really our first sort of meta episode. It is. It so. is. Yeah. How, this is what you should have asked in the, the, I know. the Facebook. I yeah. said, hey, <laughs> what, what idea do you want us to make? How about... That's okay. I'll, I'll edit out all the silence. Yeah. <laughs> How about something like... Um, what if uh, we all, if you guys can remember, <laughs> the first character that you remember really, truly loving? And if our listeners like the idea they can use these characters or use facets of these characters in their games what do you think about that yeah yeah sure okay cool all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna roll a d12 here (laughs) i'm gonna do the old barker so nate you're one through four alex is five through (laughs) nine and i'm no what (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're, fir- you're first yeah, tier, Nate. You're second tier, Alex. I'm third tier. Here we go. Okay. All right. So that's a four. So that's you first, Nate. Okay. So I'm gonna do the lame thing and do a character that many people already know, but um, I essentially have played like <laughs> three or four. Well, I guess you include <laughs> one shots and stuff. Maybe I've played seven or eight mm-hmm. RPG characters ever. So I'm gonna do. Uh, Erdon Saroshent yeah. of the uh, the Provokers, and I, I guess um, yeah, the reason that that he's a character who I I loved is because um, you know I think that it's the first time that I actually immersively role played and tried to really get into the head of the character, and I've struggled to do this with any other character I've played. Um, Partially because you know the, the other players I'm playing with aren't as immersive, um, so I yeah. think that's that's part of the reason is just because you know like we've talked about in the past the the provokers really came out with a bang and and these guys role played and it was like oh okay I guess I better keep up it's that peer pressure you were talking <laughs> exactly. about Alex, we were right? all <laughs> acting like bigger idiots so you had to get yeah, in there <laughs> exactly uh, so um, and and I think that um, for me one of the reasons. I love playing this character is because he's so different from me in a lot of ways. And, um, and that's, that's part of the reason we play games, I think is to, um, to play, to do things that we can't do, right. <laughs> you know, and in, in, in real life. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Erdon is, is just kind of brash and, um, cold and, um, I consider myself to be a pretty warm, friendly person, and and that makes it a challenge. And and I I try to step up to that challenge and really get into his head. And you know, and that you know I come away just just feeling like wow, that was that was a great experience. Right. Awesome. Yeah. I love Aradon. Well, thanks. <laughs> All right, so that's me. Okay, so the the character that immediately kind of sticks out to me and and really like I had you know, a couple dozen characters before this. Um, one, one of my earliest characters was a, I, I made the, a total special snowflake. He was a half drow paladin. I, I didn't even go full drow. He was half drow. But um, the character that I, that I remember first loving was, he was a human rogue named Murdoch. And I was reading a book that summer um, that was all about writing. I wanted to get better at writing, and I was reading this book, and there was a whole chapter in this book about characters changing, you know, character arcs. Like, a, a character is not worth anything if they don't experience some sort of change, you know, no matter how mm-hmm. small or how big. So I decided I wanted to play a character that had a great capacity for <clears throat> for change. So I made this character Murdoch, and he was your basic kind of, you know rough and tumble rogue he liked women and drink and coin and um he was sort of just your you know archetypical sort of rogue but i had it in my mind that i wanted him to undergo some sort of change and so you know as the adventure went underway and he went into it for gold he sort of befriended the people that he was with and eventually came to care for them and consider them friends and I remember about three or four sessions in there came a point where there was a huge opportunity for him to make a lot of money but he had to 
do something not very nice to his friends. He had to leave him behind. And I knew then that that was my moment to have this character grow and change and progress and evolve. And so he chose his friends over the money. And, uh, you know, I the way I role-played it, you know, he couldn't believe that he had done it. It was one of those, you know, I cannot believe I am choosing these you know, assholes over all this coin that I could get, but I'm going to make this decision. And he was just a really fun character to play for that because he felt fresh and he surprised me. Like, the character surprised me because I was kind of... It was the first time I remember listening to what a character mm. wanted to do rather than telling the character what they were going to do. And that's mm. another old writing thing is, like, listen to your characters. They'll tell you what they want to do or where they want to yeah. go. It's kind of the same with D&D. Like, if you follow your Definitely. gut, if you're in character, it, you don't have to matter, like, would my character do this? If you're having your character do it, then yes, they would do that. Like, don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about it. It's like the, the Ron Swanson quote where someone says, you know, that's not the behavior of an award winner. And he says, well, I've won an award, so everything I do is the behavior of an award winner. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Murdoch, uh, he was a I, – I liked that character a lot. So what about you, Alex? Yeah. Um, I had this uh... – Anti, this uh, evil cleric. It was probably the first first character that I played where I really thought about his backstory and it affected my role playing of him, because in the game, I mean he, he was he was pretty dark and evil, but in the game when I played him in the game he was really nice to people. Mm. He was really nice to the party. He was really nice to everyone else because he had a higher purpose. His mm. goal was to become a lich. And so oh, wow. uh, this was around the time in, in the old Dragon magazines, they uh, they came out with a little article called Blueprint for a Lich. And cool. so I loved that. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, it had all the ingredients you needed. And I, and I shared it with the GM and I said, this is I want to do this. So he said, OK, you know, just keep track of your ingredients, you know, we'll, and, and uh, you know, that, no problem. So I started so I started to collect things on the side, you know, just kind of. You know, the simple stuff I was able to get right away, but eventually started to, get, you know, get the more exotic materials. But I was always a great, you know, um, friend to the party until yeah. the end mm. when things when things got dicey. This was like really close to the end. We were like maybe 16th level or something like that. Oh, and things geez. were getting things were getting really rough. And I remember one of the, one of the one of the characters to try to save my life had given me his ring of regeneration and I put it on and, I, and I, you know, I'm healing myself. And then he's in big trouble a little later on. He's asking for a back, and he's like right on a precipice. And I and I just shook my head, no. Take a drink. Take a drink. Wow. Oh man, that that that, that player was, was was really the player was angry at me for a I while. Can imagine, I can imagine. Like, <laughs> what an amazing oh, moment, though. Where you, I bet you were just giddy with anticipation as it was happening. Like, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you so get this kind of. You, well, you get this kind of adrenaline surge because yeah. almost if you as if you really are, you know, turning on your friends and yeah. you know, it, even though it's just a game, and I've sure. had that happen a few times in in you know since then where, you know, you get you get so immersed that you actually feel this sort of either fear or or anxiety or whatever it happens to be. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but I, that was that was one time that I I, I was so into the the background of the character and his and his true motivations versus what he portrayed that you know that event finally came up and and uh you know of course none of the other characters were around so they didn't know that i let him die because <laughs> right <laughs> to save myself you know that sort of thing oh man yeah <laughs> but they knew they knew <laughs> yeah exactly oh man so, that's yeah. intense that's really yeah. amazing. So that that's uh, that a great character. I say that's some pretty good ideas that you can steal there, folks. <laughs> Go ahead and make yourself a character whose entire uh, goal is to become a lich and screw over his friends. I like it. I like it. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Just as you just as you can be evil in a good party. Exactly. If, exactly. If you have if you have a higher goal in mind. Yeah, well, the um, thing is, most yep. evil people, you know. their goal isn't to, I'm going to kill every single good person I see. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm going to have a goal. And you know what? These people, these good people, they're going to help me get there. Like, I'm going right. to I'm gonna yeah. help them in whatever they need because they are helping me out. So Exactly. Yep. So, That's but, why I exactly. never make that, that restriction. Uh, don't play an evil character. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, if you want to play an evil character. Yeah, just, go for it. You know, that... Try to be a team player, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. and and that and that's where good metagaming comes in. You know, yeah. play a character that's going to keep 
the group together and playing together. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. Af- yeah. beyond that, you know, go for it. Yeah, absolutely, yep. absolutely. Well, awesome, hmm. guys. So I would say that uh, we did a pretty good job of well, if someone has never played D&D before, we definitely talked it up quite a bit in this episode. So maybe if you're, <laughs> you're trying to get somebody into the game, have them listen to this, uh, to this podcast. But uh, the takeaway is just, for me, it's like, if you're passionate about tabletop RPGs, let that passion come through in how you present the game yeah. and how you play the game. And the people that you play with and the people that you, <clears throat> that you uh, indoctrinate into this wonderful <laughs> hobby of ours will latch onto that and sort of by osmosis come to love it as well at least that's been my experience for the most part so agreed yeah yep. so but uh i want just want to say thank you again to uh nate from wasd 20 for joining us uh for this episode appreciate yeah, it thank you yeah definitely. thank you guys for having me yeah, and uh yeah absolutely and uh i am matt from a fistful of dice um my name is alex aka captain gothnog and uh <laughs> may the spirit of barker Guide us home. Here we go. Godspeed. Blah. <laughs> that was a bottle that just fell over. I was going to say, I, I was looking to see if I need bottles to knock together, but alas. <laughs> I did a Barker thing. I have coffee and a beer here. Oh, there you go. I nice. know. Barker's always two fists in the drinks. So. Yeah. I, I tried to fill, fill his shoes a little bit there. Appreciate it. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.